Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This week on the Pro Wrestling Index, we're talking the WWE Cruiserweight Classic, including the brand new WWE Cruiserweight Champion, TJ Perkins. We're also talking about the brand new WWE World Champion, AJ Styles. We're talking Raw, we're talking SmackDown, and we're doing it with my co-commentating colleague from across the pond, Mo Chatra, and a very special guest, the former voice of NXT and WWE SmackDown, the artist formerly known as Rich Brennan. Rich Bokini joins us this week on PWI. Welcome to a very special edition of the Pro Wrestling Index on the Anfield Index Podcast Network. I am your host, Matt Topolsky, and we have a plethora of topics to discuss this week on the show, so I'm not going to waste any more time. I'm bringing in the expert analyst, my co-commentating colleague from across the pond, Mo Chatra. Mo, welcome back to the Index. Thank you very much, Matt. I'm glad to be back. Um, so much happening at the moment. My head's in a spin, um, but we'll get through it in the next hour or so. Your head is in a spin, Mo. Well, try try and readjust your equilibrium because we have a show to do, okay? <laughs> I'll try my best. And uh, we have a very special guest joining us. I'm, I'm glad to say not only is he a very special guest and the former voice of NXT and WWE SmackDown. He's also a good friend. The artist formerly known as Rich Brennan, Rich Bokini, is in the house. Rich, how you doing? Gentlemen, how are you? Pleasure to be here. We're doing good, right. Rich. How are you, man? Oh, I'm all right. You know, plugging along, having some fun, and, uh, you know, just in, in, enjoying a little bit of downtime here talking to you guys. I've been trying to keep busy and uh, keep the, you know, keep the fires burning, and that's what I've been doing. Uh, I've been having some fun lately and, uh, you know, get some cool stuff going on. Yeah, so 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 what have you been up to? I've, I've heard that, um, and this is uh, of note for many of our listeners in the U.K. as well who are, uh, tuned into BN Sports, especially when the Champions League is on. You are now uh, featured on there. You're, you're you're calling the National Pro Grid League. Is that correct? I, I am. Yeah, kind of kind of came up uh, out of nowhere. I, I, I got a call uh, a couple of months ago to uh, to to head out there and, and and do play by play for for the sport of grid, which uh, was brand new to me. I never really knew much about it. Uh, but took a crash course in, in in grid, learned the sport pretty well, and had a lot of fun. Uh, calling uh, calling a couple of the matches. I, I did some of the early round matches for Grid, and then uh, did the conference finals, the Eastern Conference and, and the Western Conference finals. And 
Uh, yeah, it's on. It's going to be shown on on being sports. It's on. Uh, uh, you know, some of the regional Comcast networks here in the States, uh, Root Sports, uh, Comcast Sportsnet Regionals. It's also on One World Sports as well, which is on on DirecTV. But uh, it's it's a pretty interesting sport. Grid's in the uh, in the third year of of existence. Uh, you look at it, it kind of, you know, the first thing people say, well, it's Team CrossFit. And that's it's that's somewhat of, of a misnomer. But uh, essentially, it's co-ed teams uh you have men and women competing in a race uh there's 11 races in 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 a match and there's different movements different things like um you know uh you know thrusters and and muscle ups and backward rolls to support all sorts of crazy stuff and obviously it's a race the idea is to do this stuff as quickly as possible you can tag in and out um you can substitute in in the middle of a match which is kind of an an interesting thing um, it looks chaotic the first time you see it. It sounds you, like American gladiators on steroids. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, some people have compared it to that. Some people have compared it to, uh, you know, to American Ninja warrior, uh, warrior in some ways. Um, it's not quite as, uh, uh, I don't, I don't want to say over the top, but it, 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 it's, it's more, more sport, more competition, more team than, than American Ninja warrior and Amer- American Ninja warrior is awesome. Um, but it's it's a team sport again. You know they're still trying to gain some traction, still still trying to gain some ground. But it's a really cool visual, um, fast paced sport. And uh, you know again, being sports, uh, America One Sports. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, One World Sports uh, on on Direct TV uh, is where that is. So yeah, you know I I got to dust off the old play by play chops and put on the headset and go out there and 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 have some fun. Uh, it was challenging learning a lot of the stuff, you know, eight teams. I had to learn what 144 athletes or whatever that was in, in, in the matter of two weeks and basically learn a brand new sport in two weeks. Um, but then had a lot of fun, got to work with some, some really, really, really cool people and uh, looking forward, hopefully to, to going back and doing it again next year. Yeah. And if you want to find out more information about it, you can go to npgl.com. Uh, that's the official website. Uh, I'm looking at some of this footage on here. I mean, this is crazy. I have trouble getting out of my car in the morning. So uh, you know, I, I can't imagine how anybody could do this or, or do this professionally. Um, uh, I'm sure Bret Hart would rather Seth Rollins do this than professional wrestling, though. Um, <laughs> he might. Yeah. Yeah. You know what, what, what I can what I can say is that uh, it, one of the matches, there's an Eastern Conference final match and. I, I I don't want to give away any spoilers or anything. This, this stuff's out there, but um, there was one particular element in, in a race where a guy has these two kettlebells. I think it was like 140 pounds or something. And you, he's doing this, this, this forward lunge walk and the grid is basically the size of a basketball court. And he did this in, I don't know, 11 seconds or something like that, carrying 140 pounds. Think about that for a second. You go to the car, you get your groceries or something, and you carry them up the stairs, and that's 30 or 40 pounds. I'm winded doing that. And this guy's like racing racing down down the grid. It was, it was pretty crazy. So This is incredible stuff. It really is. So go check that out. And, and congratulations, by the way, on, uh, on the new gig, Rich. A lot of people have been asking, you know, what have you been up to since, um, uh, since you and WWE parted ways? And, and many of us... Um, uh, expected you to to find your way back into the professional wrestling realm and never say never. I mean, I'm sure that's 
still definitely a possibility. But this is an interesting, um, an interesting next chapter uh, in your in your play-by-play career. That's for sure. Yeah, it was it was unexpected, no no doubt. If if you would have asked me a couple of months ago where are you going to go next, I I don't think I would have thought that grid would be it. Um, again, it's 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 a short season, so it's not like it's a, it's a year long thing or six months or anything like that. It's a very compact season. Um, the season's already done, so you know it 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 was a quick thing to to go out there for a couple of weeks, get this stuff done. Uh, again, learn the sport. I'm looking forward, hopefully, to, to going back again next year. And I've been bitten by the bug. I've been bitten by the by the grid bug, and it's actually kind of changed some of the uh, some of the ways that, that I've been that I've been working out, trying to uh, trying to not get fat. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe I need to take a page from Grit as well. Uh, well, listen, uh, a lot has changed in WWE since Rich Brennan, Rich Bokini, was calling the action. And one of those things is not only the arrival of AJ Styles, but AJ Styles as the brand new WWE World Champion, as it's now called on SmackDown. Mo Chatra, you had an opportunity to check out WWE Backlash this past weekend and AJ Styles capturing the WWE Championship. Less than a year ago on this show, you and I together talked about AJ Styles' arrival, and you predicted on that show right here on PWI that he would be a future WWE champion. Your prediction came true on Sunday. Mystic Mo, uh, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Um, no, it was, it, in my view, it's inevitable that AJ Styles would become a champion. He's just too damn talented, too damn good uh, for the WWE um, to keep him down and um, restrict him to just a mid-card nobody. Um, he, he proved himself um, in TNA, he proved himself in Ring of Honor before that, and he more than proved himself in New Japan, where he became a IWGP champion. So, you know, it was it was wonderful to see that um, he triumphed over Dean Ambrose in a great match at Backlash. And, um, you know, he's it, thoroughly well deserved because throughout the year, ever since his debut at the Royal Rumble, um, his performances have been of a consistently high level. Um, he's arguably been the best work in the WWE this year. And, um, you know, as a personality, uh, as well as an in-ring performer, um, he really brings it and then some. So, uh, you know, it's, it's wonderful to see. And, you know, I've followed his career since he was um, you know, a, a rookie in WCW, in fact. And um, to see him, you know, at the peak of his powers right now at the age of 39 um, and to finally become a world champion in the WWE, it's wonderful. And, um, you know, certainly an inspiration to the countless um, independent talents who are coming through various ranks within the independent scene, um, that if AJ Styles can make it become a world champion, then they can too with hard work and persistence. So that that was wonderful to see um, this past Sunday night. Yeah, absolutely. Rich. AJ Styles has been an NWA World Heavyweight Champion, a Ring of Honor Heavyweight Champion, an IWGP Heavyweight Champion, a TNA Heavyweight Champion, and now WWE Champion. What are your thoughts on AJ Styles? Is this guy approaching GOAT status in your mind? Uh, Well, I'm going to preface any wrestling-related talk that I I give you with saying that I I have not watched wrestling since I left. I have watched maybe five minutes of, I believe, whatever the paper, I think it was, Payback maybe was right after I left. Was that right? I, I oh, think yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I watched maybe five minutes of, of the end of that 
Um, Let me ask you see. this question because I mean, oh, you, yeah. you know, you, you, it's sort of like the story of Icarus. You know, you flew real close to the sun. I mean, mm-hmm. you were there, man. You were there for quite some time. Um, and I mean, God knows there was no one I think more prouder of you than me um, for for everything that you did up there. But uh, you know, you, you you left. Certainly, it was unexpected. Um, has that, I mean, I've had to have soured uh, the taste in your mouth for, for just pro wrestling in general. I mean, uh, am, am I right in saying that? And, and do you see yourself, you know, maybe not really being that much of a wrestling fan uh, after this, this experience, if you will? I'm, I'm, I'm still a fan at heart. I've, I've said this before. I'm still definitely a fan at heart. I still like wrestling. I still like the art form. I still like what it is. I have no desire to watch WWE right now, and to be honest, I I, I just I kind of wanted to just step away from all of it for a little bit. Um, I am you know I'm I'm a fan of Ring of Honor. Uh, I've been keeping up with 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 TNA a little bit, just again from from a distance, reading about stuff and and, and keeping up with things. It looks like TNA is starting to turn things around, which is very cool. And there's a handful of guys that are over there that that I know that that I think are good workers and, and, and good guys. So um, I'm, I'm excited to see turn, you know, TNA perhaps turning the corner there. Um, still a fan. I've, I've never ruled out getting back into it at some level. Um, that opportunity, that opportunity hasn't really presented itself yet. Um, so still a fan. Yes. But again, you know, I took a couple of steps back and, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah, and I, I completely understand it. I mean, there, there, I don't think there's anybody that wouldn't understand it. Um, uh, on on AJ though, I mean, you've had a chance uh, just uh, being a fan of of wrestling. I'm sure to see some of what AJ Styles has done. I mean, John Cena left for a period of time um, after AJ Styles got a big victory over him, um, and now AJ Styles is the WWE champion. So let me prep. So let me, you know, I guess I'll, let me reward the question. Um, do you feel like AJ Styles, a guy who was a TNA franchise guy for a long period of time, now carrying the WWE World Heavyweight, not World Heavyweight Championship, World Title, do you feel like that is an indication that WWE is sort of changing the way that it's booking for the future a little bit? God, I hope so. I hope so. AJ's a, a, a good guy. I got to work with him a little bit when he first when he first came over. Just really, really, really good guy. And for somebody who's been around and done as much as as he has, he was really easy to work with, and was really cool to deal with. So, obviously, he's done so much around the globe. He's he's an exciting guy. Um, are they letting AJ Styles be AJ Styles? It kind of seems like they are, at least from from what I've read. So that's that's a cool thing. So hopefully, hopefully that continues and. I mean, the fact that he's holding a WWE title, I mean, that has to that has to mean something, right? It's, it, it kind of blows everybody everybody's mind. Yeah. Uh, here, here, I want to get, a, you know, I don't want to steal a phrase from Brad Gilmore. I'm going to steal it anyway. Hot take, guys, from both of you. Okay? Here it is. It's hot <laughs> right. take. Okay. Yesterday, I had an opportunity to sit down with Bruce Pritchard, Cheap Plug, Cheap Plug, OpinionPodcast.com. Great two-part interview with him. And I How many podcasts him, do you do? I do. I, I, I have to do as many as possible. i got to get the word out there, man. Okay. Jesus. Um, He's a podcast addict, aren't you? Man? My God. Podcast addict. I am. Do you, do you am, work okay, or do if, you just do podcasts? If Howard, Stern, <laughs> if Howard Stern is the king of all media, I am the prince 
of podcasts. Okay? Good God, Tobolsky. <laughs> so yesterday I sat down with Bruce Pritchard. We had a great interview, and I asked him how he felt about two world titles. He was not happy with it. Felt like it devalued those titles. I agreed with him. To both of you, this would have been more exciting in my mind if AJ Styles had won the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. Instead, he's got the SmackDown title. Okay, it, it's sort of like in the NFL. You have two conferences. There are two teams that can win those conference titles, but only one team can win the Super Bowl. That is not the case in WWE. Was it was it a mistake in retrospect? Now that you look at this brand split, is it a mistake to have two world titles? Mo, what do you think? No, I still maintain that it was the right thing to do to have two titles because um, I felt the reason the brand split didn't work the first time round was because there was this cross-pollination between the two brands with um, singular champions having to work Raw and SmackDown. And, you know, if there's any chance of making this brand split mean something, um, there has to be as much separation as possible. And so, you know, I, I agree with Bruce that, you know, in an ideal world, it should just be the one title and certainly having two for a casual viewer who maybe tunes in every couple of weeks, um, it can get very confusing. Uh, but if they want to really do something quite special with Raw and SmackDown as separate entities, um, then I think they have to keep them as separate as possible. And that means separate titles, too. So at the moment, we now have a position whereby not only do we have two world titles, we have two sets of tag team titles, two women's titles um, and two secondary titles, too. So, you know, there's titles overload. And I'm also reading that um, the WWE is already considering um, changing the names of titles and then to make things further complicated, um, most of the titles look exactly the same as one another. So, um, you know, the, the title situation is, is certainly um, um, not, not, not the most simplest to follow. And um, it, it can be better. But, you know, I think this is one of the unfortunate consequences of trying to achieve a meaningful and effective brand split. Real quick, real quick, Rich. Um, mm -hmm. Thoughts on the two world titles, yay or nay? What do you think? No, I I, I think it's stupid. Um, you first of all, you already had secondary titles, right? You had the U.S. title, you had the Intercontinental title. Why not make the Intercontinental title the Raw title, the U.S. title the SmackDown title, and then so that there's your conference championships, your Eastern Conference, your Western Conference title. And then you have the WWE World Heavyweight Championship, which, if, if I'm not mistaken, just two years ago, whatever it was, two and a half, three years ago, maybe, they had this whole big ballyhoo where the two titles combined. As a matter of fact, that was in, in Houston. Houston. I, yeah, we, 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 were, we were at that show as, as fans. I was we there. there. I took, a, I took yeah. an IG photo with you at that show. Uh, that's right. Yes. So, 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 so you have this whole big ballyhoo thing where, where now you have the WWE World Heavyweight Champion, and it's – it makes sense. Like to the average Joe watching it, it makes sense. And Mo, like, like what you said, you turn on TV now and you've got all, all these different champions. Like it doesn't mean anything anymore. It doesn't. And then what happens to the, to the U.S. title and the Intercontinental title? They don't mean. What do they mean? They don't mean anything. It's stupid. Mm. Yeah, I mean it's it's one of the problems I think that's partly to explain the drop in ratings too. That um, you know wrestling should be kept simple. And, and that's not to demean the audience, but um, your average wrestling fan doesn't like things to be too complicated. And, um, you know, when they watch Raw or SmackDown, um, 
you know, they they are going to get confused by seeing uh, one set of champions on one show on the Monday and then a different set of champions with identical titles just with a different colour strap um, the next night. So oh, it, it certainly doesn't help. The, the 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 other thing that that I I never got, and this is going back to the to the previous brand split it, it, as well. I've always had an issue with calling it a brand. Like when I think of a brand, I think of like Clorox or I think of you know Cheerios or or, or something like that. I don't when I when I watch the NFL, I don't think of the NFL as a brand. I don't think of the Eastern Conference as a brand. Mm-hmm. If I if I'm if I'm a hockey fan, I don't think of the you know whatever their conferences are now. You know, but it, it used to be the um, you know, the Campbell conference, that wasn't a brand. It was, a, it was a conference that like that for, a, for a sports fan to me, when you call something a brand, what, like, what does that mean? It, it, it doesn't, to me, it doesn't resonate. I think when you look at the brand split previously, and again, I haven't really watched it, um, but I'm guessing right now where some of the confusion comes in as, as a viewer, you turn it on and you say, well, okay, it's SmackDown and it and and it's Raw, but it's still WWE. So the fact that this guy, you know, why is this guy one world champion? I think, and then this guy is kind of a world champion, but they're really not. But then there's this other champion with a U.S. title, and then an Intercontinental. And who's more important? And I don't get it. And it doesn't, and it doesn't make sense. Who's the main champion? Well, there is no more main champion, and I think. That confuses people, especially for the casual fan, which is really what WWE caters to based on what what I was told, especially with Raw. You're catering to the to the to the casual fan, Um, whether or not that makes sense or whether or not that's smart is probably a whole other conversation. Let me let me let me ask you this, Rich, because you bring up a great question or a great point. And um, we were going to pivot to the Cruiserweight Classic, but I'm going to save that. Uh, for a little bit later in the show, because I think we're transitioning nicely into Raw's uh, abysmal rating this week. When you were in WWE, before you left, were there any discussions? Did you hear anything, any rumors, any conjecture regarding this brand split? Like, did anybody expect that this could be coming? Because there were rumors floating around about it when you were still with the company. Because I remember people talking about it um, with me and on the dirt sheets around WrestleMania time. I, I I knew I knew about it a okay. couple of months before that. that okay. Was, so and and at that time, I mean, what was anybody talking about? What the justification for this brand split was, or what the vision of it was, or or what the goal was here for this thing? I I wasn't really I wasn't that involved, obviously, in in the talks. I just I knew that it was being talked about. I knew that it was on the way. When it was going to happen was kind of up in the air. Um. So so as far as details and the why and the how and all that stuff, I. That was way more involved than than I was ever told or involved in. Um, but I mean, it had been talked about since, I mean, I, probably at least December of last year, I would think, if not before that. Okay. Um, so I I knew it was on the way as far as the reasons or, or whatever. I'm I don't know. I mean, who knows how long they knew that SmackDown was was going to be going live on. On, on Tuesdays, uh, I remember Jerry Lawler talked about that months ago, before before it ever happened. It was denied at first. Um, you know, ratings, that that type of stuff. I everything has changed so much in the last I don't know ten ten years. I remember saying to a couple people before that, you know, the whatever rating, say 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 your five rating from 
10 years ago. That's kind of, that's like your three rating now, isn't it? Everything's so fragmented with DVRs and watching stuff on your phone. And oh, everybody's yeah. still, everybody's still trying to figure out how to, how to quantify all that. iPads, um, iPhones, WWE network, um, UFC fight pass. I mean, Netflix, Hulu, yeah, Amazon. Yeah. I mean, there's so many different ways to receive media and entertainment and to transmit it. I mean, we do live in a different world now, but I guess the, the, the point that I'm trying to get to here is though, is, and, and I, and I do feel like ratings uh, mean considerably less to WWE than they used to. Not so much companies like TNA. They certainly, they certainly still need the ratings um, to justify their existence. But with WWE, it's not so much because there's so much cross pollination and so many different ways to consume the WWE product. With that being said, I still feel like, um, you know, this this past week, there were two Monday night football games to open the NFL season. And the second one happened to be the lowest rated Monday night football game since 2008. This Monday night raw was the lowest rated since July 4th of last year. And this is coming just a few weeks after the brand split began. And after both of these brands were given a, a massive facelift. Um, uh, new, new production, um, new commentary, new rosters, a new title, all of that stuff for Raw. And Raw, it appeared on paper, had a much better draft than SmackDown did. And yet most people, I would say, I, I would say 7 out of 10, and I'm being conservative on that, would say that right now SmackDown is producing a better show than Monday Night Raw. Mo, what are your thoughts on this? Um, do you think that Raw is a brand in crisis? Well, if you look at the numbers, uh, you'd have to say yes. Um, if you look at the shows themselves, I think that it has varied from week to week. Um, I don't think any of the Raws I've seen in the last couple of months have been what I'd label as bad, um, but there's only been perhaps two that have been shows I'd call good or great. And you know that that's the kind of problem that they've got at the moment, that you know with their vast team of writers, um, they struggle to maintain the consistency um, in terms of the quality of the product. And, um, you know, that that's certainly off-putting for, the again, the casual viewer who might tune in one week and um, be served up with some predominantly average TV. And um, it certainly gives them no inclination to then tune in on a week-to-week -week basis. And they might decide, well, actually, um, just hitting up the um, highlights of Raw which I think is a 10-minute video on YouTube, is a more productive way or easier way of keeping up with the best bits of Raw um, rather than sitting there for three hours on a Monday night. So, you know, that, that's certainly an issue. And, um, you know, it was a 1.88 rating, was it, this week? And, you know, that's just yeah. against week one of Monday night football. So, you know, when we go into December and especially into January, um, you know, those numbers can go to one five or below, which was unimaginable two or three years ago. And, you know, the reason why it is a problem, I think, is because they renewed the TV deal with U USA Network, et cetera, um, what, two and a half years ago, I think. And, you know, that, that deal will be coming up for renewal some point soon, I'm pretty sure. And if that's the case, um, their numbers back then were usually around the three mark. And if they're half of that now... Um, that gives them far less leverage to negotiate 
even the same level of uh, TV money, never mind an increase. And that's against the backdrop of various sports. And in this regard, they do try and compete with um, your NHLs and NBAs to try and get premium um, TV deal monies from the likes of the US Hate Network, etc. Um, it will make that bargaining position all the more weaker if all they can deliver is 1.5, 1.6 ratings across Raw and SmackDown on Monday and Tuesdays. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. What do you think, Rich? Well, even the Olympics were down this year, weren't they? That's true. I just, mm. I, I, I just read something that despite the ratings being down, NBC Universal still made some ridiculous amount of money off of the Olympics. And that goes to how people are consuming it. They're, again, consuming on their phones, consuming via highlights, via Twitter, you name it. So, Isn't some of that also coming from bundling, though, too, in that you know you have these TV packages where – Whenever you purchase, whenever you move up a tier, you have to buy certain channels that you don't necessarily want, that you won't watch. Because let's say I want the NFL Network, but I've got to purchase a package that has Lifetime Movie Network in it. I'm not watching Lifetime Movie Network, you well, know, but no. I might want to watch NFL Network. I mean, part of that money, I think, is kind of spread out there as well, is it not? Well, with the with with the contract, when when you sign a deal, um, based on based on subs and, and, and that type of thing, that's that's factored into it. But as far as advertising revenue, which I, I believe is what NBC Universal was talking about with the Olympics, their advertising revenue was still sky high. And maybe that's because, you know, I don't know, people overbid for it or, or, or whatever. But, but point being, the ratings were down and the revenue was up. So um, how does that hurt WWE? How does it help WWE? I, I don't know. Everything, again, the last five, ten years, things have changed so much as far as sports. We saw it in, in, in Houston. We were up close and, and personal with, with the Comcast Regional Network yes. in, in Houston. where um, and, and L.A. is still LA is still going through it with, with Time Warner, with, with the Dodgers. The Dodgers haven't, haven't been available to most fans in the L.A. market for two years now. Uh, and it's, it's gotten so bad where... So Vin Scully, the longtime announcer, Hall of Fame announcer, who's finally retiring this year. On October actually, the 8th, I believe, is his last call, right? Uh, I, I know it's, like at, it's, it's at San Francisco, I believe. I think it's October the 2nd, actually. Yeah. Um, but they actually signed a deal to, to put some of those games on just local TV so people could say goodbye to, to, to Vin Scully because none of the cable providers want to sign up for, for this channel that, you know, they want to charge – 350 or three bucks or four bucks or whatever it is per subscriber, whether you're watching it or not. And that's, that's how a lot of those cable deals work. Um, again, it, as the algorithms change, as the technology changes and people figure out how to, these companies figure out how to determine who's watching what and who's actually consuming what and where and, and how all this stuff is changing. The old method of, of Nielsen ratings where you'd put a box and, 300 houses in, in, in Houston to determine what a city of 3 million people are watching. Those, those days are done. That, that, that stuff, it's, it's irrelevant now. It's all, it's all going towards online. It's all going towards actually being able to, uh, to accurately determine who's watching what, where they're watching it. Again, how all that stuff is put together and extrapolated and divided up and, and actually figured out all that stuff is changing so much and it changes every day. Um, sort of to get those accurate numbers um let, 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 let let's put it this way accurate numbers 
for who's watching stuff or who's listening stuff, that doesn't help advertisers. That doesn't help the channels that are. Oh, I should say it does help the advertisers. It doesn't helps help the advertisers, the but yeah, yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> do, it, do, it doesn't help. It doesn't help the channels that 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 are that are selling it. And I think maybe a prime example of that is the newspaper model, where before you'd buy a newspaper ad, you'd say, well, yeah, you know, at the time the newspaper had a circulation of of a hundred thousand. So they do the math and they'd say, well, we're going to charge you this much because you're paying. You know, so 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 much. You know, cost cost per thousand, right? That that's that's the old standard cost per thousand for for advertising. Well, how many people were really looking at that ad? But that's not how it was sold. It was sold on the presumption that X amount of people were really watching it. Well, now you can, you know, now we can tell you this amount of people actually saw your ad and actually took action based on your ad. And so that that's another reason why you're seeing some of the um, again, ratings are going down because you're getting more accurate numbers now. It's not estimated as much anymore. Um, and it does hurt the stations that are trying to sell stuff. On the other hand, it helps the advertisers maybe in some ways because they're getting, uh, they're getting more bang for their buck. They're, they're potentially getting getting cheaper ad rates. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're just a couple of months away from 2017. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a different world than it was in 1997, uh, for the professional wrestling business. How, how, I mean, considering everything that, that Rich just said, Mo, um, and taking all this into consideration, how does the WWE or any professional wrestling product that's on television, uh, go forward in determining the success or the failure of its show on TV? I mean, what, because in the past it was really easy. You 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 had you had gate receipts, you had merchandise sales, and you had television ratings, and it seems like all of this is changing. It is. I mean, WWE often on TV makes reference to um, you know how many Facebook um, likes it has and Twitter followers and things like that. Um, the unfortunate thing is, um, you know, the, these these um, social media outlets don't necessarily lead to direct uh, revenue. So, you know, they can have, you know, tens of millions of likes on Facebook, but what does that equate to in terms of the things that stockhold, you know, shareholders are interested in, which is money? Um, how does that increase revenue? Um, so it certainly, as Rich says, it's becoming a much more complicated and complex um, kind of situation in terms of assessing how hot or cold a, a product is. Um but, um, you know, the, with all the different metrics that are out there, um, you know, there are certain numbers that, you know, are telling and, and revenue is one of those. And, you know, part of the thing that we've talked about in the past is that whilst revenues keep going up and they were at record levels in the last financial year, um, the WWE has no real inclination to um, drastically change what it's doing right now, irrespective of ratings having you know, decreased by 30, 40% in the last two years. Um, because, uh, you know, as you, as you rightly point out, Rich, that's not um, the be all and end all like it perhaps was 10, 15, 20 years ago. Um, there are a number of things they look at now. Um, so, you know, it's, it's the bottom line when it comes to what makes money and what doesn't. And um, at this moment in time, their TV deals make 200 million. Their, um, WWE Network makes not as much as that. I think it's maybe about 150. But overall, they're on for another 600 million plus revenue year. So that's 
fantastic and um, you know they they'll make a healthy profit out of that as well most of which will, which will end up as dividends in the pockets of uh, various members of the McMahon family uh, but you know as long as that keeps ongoing then I think they'll be happy and if they're happy then um, there's, there's not going to be any drastic changes on the horizon well let me say this much I don't know how much money the cruiserweight classic has made but I have to say I thought it was fucking Awesome. So let's talk about the Cruiserweight Classic. We had the semifinals and the final this past week on the WWE Network. Congratulations goes out to TJ Perkins. 18 years in the business to get to this point. He is not only the winner of the inaugural Cruiserweight Classic, he is the first ever WWE Cruiserweight Champion. Mo Chatra, I know you have a lot to say about this. Um, the semifinal matches and the main event itself, absolutely brilliant. I mean, I, I can't say enough about what we saw, the final four competitors that were in this thing. So t take it away, man. What do you think? Well, it's something that I was talking about and getting very excited about months ago, long before the uh, Cruiserweight Classic first um, site airing on the WWE Network. And has it delivered? Boy, has it. I mean, it's just been fantastic week to week. A breath of fresh air. Um, the whole presentation, um, the formatting, everything about it, the commentary from Daniel Bryan, um, things like this, um, have just been so refreshing to see. Um, the exposure of a variety of styles as well. It's not just the one-dimensional um type of style that they've tried to present with the cruiserweights you know you've had your mat wrestlers in um gallagher and zack saber jr you've had your flyers in the likes of grand metallic and kote bushi you've had um you know even um your kind of more power type wrestlers and brawlers and uh and, and, you know, and by all... the way uh not to cut you off but what about brian kendrick i mean you want to talk wow. about a resurgence of a career brian kendrick uh, got deep into this tournament Got some great exposure, and I think we will definitely see him again on Monday Night Raw in this cruiserweight division. Indeed. He was one of the revelations, in fact, wasn't he? Um, you know, had some good, ma well, great matches throughout, and his match against Kota Ibushi uh, a couple of weeks ago was absolutely fantastic. Um, the story of this guy who uh, was perhaps um, experiencing his last hurrah, his last shot at the big time, and um, the storytelling in that match against Ibushi um, was absolutely superb by Kendrick. And, um, you know, you're right. I mean, I'm sure we'll be seeing him in the uh, Cruiserweight division on Raw. And, uh, you know, the finals were great last night. And um, it was a surprise, actually. I did expect, like a lot of fans did, an Ibushi versus Zack Sabre Jr. final. Um, but we had two upsets in Metallic defeating Sabre Jr. and uh, Perkins defeating Ibushi. And I've got to say that um, at the start of the tournament, I didn't fancy Perkins to go through um, even to the quarterfinals, in fact. Um, he was just another person who I thought uh, would make up the numbers. But um, as the tournament uh, went on, he grew in stature and um, really made a mark and left a positive impression with fans. And uh, his match against Ibushi, uh, for me, might just be my WWE match of the year from last night. It was off the charts awesome and um, Ibushi as we know is a fantastic world-class talent in his own right so it was wonderful to see it's been a roaring critical success uh, for the WWE and you know the cruiserweight division now um, on, on Raw will something be um, 
surely something that we'll all look forward to seeing on a week-to-week basis. And it'll be good to see um, the Cruiserweight Classic um, brought back next year in 2017, uh, when hopefully we'll get exposure to more great Cruiserweight talents from around the world. Yeah, and some of the ones that that were in this tournament this year that, that may not find themselves on Monday Night Raw or in that cruiserweight division. Rich, I am a sucker for a great competition. My favorite yeah. pay-per-views growing up were the King of the Ring, yep. where you had a tournament, you had eight guys in one night, and you had you had guys wrestling repeatedly um, to come to the end of this thing. Now, I know you, you, you may not have gotten an opportunity to see the Cruiserweight Classic, but this was, in my mind, in my estimation, um, the best presentation WWE has ever made of something that looked like a legitimate competition. It was It was excellent. Um, this to me is an indication that perhaps they're, they're, they're starting to get it a little bit, or they're, they're, they're listening to, to some of the, um, the, the wrestling fans out there, especially, uh, folks on the internet that are saying, give me what I want. And if you're subscribing to the WWE network and you're paying money, well, then you should get what you want. You would think, yeah, that would, uh, <laughs> that would be, that would be, that would be smart. And they're doing what two pay-per-views a month now. Is that giving people, is that giving people what they want? Or is that overload? That's to me, it's question. overload. That's a good question. I, I, but again, I but but again, does that go to the idea that number one ratings are down, and the whole idea now really is to push people to buy the network, right? So it's almost like SmackDown, and I, I heard this many times. Raw is basically it's essentially it's an infomercial for the pay per views. It, it's always been that way. Right. Even going back to to the days of wrestling challenge, those were essentially infomercials to get you to go to the live show. And in some regards, the tours are still promoted by the television show in some ways, but it's now all about the network. The network is the future of of that company getting subs for for that network. That's where every that's where everything is going. So do the TV shows push you to buy the network? You know, I, I I don't know. I don't I don't know. I don't know how how, how I mean, I think I, I mean, I, I think that that that's got to be their business model. I mean, Vince McMahon did not make a lot of people happy when he launched his network in the first place. And I, and I think no. I think, you know, people like UFC Network and NBC Universal, they looked at this and they said, well, what what are you planning on doing? Taking all of your content and 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 hoarding it over there and. And I, I think that part of that was the reason why uh, USA Network gave them the deal that they did um, when they when they renegotiated was because they felt like there was some pressure, like WWE is going to go ahead and do this because they moved away from that traditional pay-per-view model, really, um, in, in into what they have now. But yeah, I think there is a little bit of overexposure. Uh, but that's one of the things that I, that's why I enjoyed the Cruiserweight Classic um, so much is because it felt so different. Than everything else that WWE has produced so far, and I, I think that's really why I enjoyed it so much, Mo, is because I mean, like, if you look at T.J. Perkins, uh, this is just a small example of what they did throughout this tournament. T.J. Perkins was billed from the moment that he came in when they did the bracketology episode to launch this thing as a submission expert. He went over by submission in every single round of this tournament. You can't book it any better than that, you know, and those are the small little attention to detail that you saw throughout this entire Cruiserweight Classic. Even in that final, they protected both of those guys, um, and I I think you're going to see them both show up on Raw. I think you're going to see uh, Abushi show up on Raw. I think you're going to see Zack Sabre Jr. for sure 
be a part of this cruiserweight division going forward. Um, I argued months ago on this show that weight classes would be important if they want to break <laughs> this thing up a little bit. It's a shame that there are 40 different titles floating around now. Um, yeah. But, I mean, I think the cruiserweight division is a breath of fresh air. I, I think it would be more well-received on SmackDown, although Raw needs it to fill the time. But I think SmackDown's really the place that it fits better. But I just thought it was a breath of fresh air. So is you that know, is that is that what they're doing with the with the cruiserweight? Is that going to be the first hour of Raw now? Uh, I would expect it to be probably the second hour, similar to the way they used to do it on WCW Nitro. You know, you want to try and fill that somehow because, as it stands right now, Raw is. And, and you know what? And let me pull this out here because um, I was going to save this for the social media questions. But here's a social media question from a regular listener of the show, Ike at Illini Hockey Three. He says NXT. The Cruiserweight Classic and SmackDown Live are all putting out tremendous content. Matches, feuds, segments make sense. But with its giant roster, why is Raw struggling to put together three hours? So what do you guys think about that? Why are they struggling to put these three hours together? And do you think the Cruiserweights could help on Raw? Well, I think that the three hours is, is something, obviously, that the USA Network um, requested. I mean, USA Network numbers generally in the last several years, again, have been in decline and have been declining at a greater rate than WWE's numbers. Um, so there's been pressure from them um, to maintain Raw at three hours. And, uh, you know, they, they were part of the reason for SmackDown moving to Tuesdays. And as, as I understand it, uh, they were also the driving force behind this brand split, um, you know, for t 2016. Um in terms of why the WWE is struggling with, you know, making a compelling three-hour show, it's simply the fact that um, people don't want to be watching a three-hour wrestling show um, unless you fill it with great matches. Um, but the thing with great matches is there's large sections of the casual audience that are not particularly too bothered about great matches, um, is the honest truth. Um, you know, people watch wrestling for different types of things, whether it's promos, entrances, uh, personality. Uh, but there's a lot of people that are not particularly bothered about um, a great match and can't really discern between a great match and a, and a, and a good or an average match. Uh, and that's one of the things that's less uh, relevant or important to them. And um, I think that's part of the reason why we have seen this continued decline in ratings in that as WWE starts to pack its roster, its main roster on Raw and SmackDown uh, with more talented in-ring workers, um, perhaps there's an argument that they're sacrificing those that are more appealing to the casual, more mainstream audience. And, um, you know, somebody like Kevin Owens might be very, very popular with um, fans you know, smart mark type fans, but for certain sections of the fan base, the traditional fan base, um, somebody like Kevin Owens just might be a, quite a turn off because they look at him and think he doesn't look like a Hulk Hogan. He doesn't look like a Stone Cold. He doesn't look like a rock. And, you know, there are still fans out there with that kind of mentality because that's how fans are conditioned or brainwashed into thinking what wrestlers should look like and be like. And, it, you know, it will take time to get them out of that mindset in much the same way that many fans, um, you know, look at the divas and think, sorry, the, the female wrestlers and think that, you know, they'd still like to go back to the days of Brian Panty matches rather than see. Um, I wouldn't mind that. 
once in a while. <laughs> but, you know, they'd rather rather that than see Sasha Banks and Charlotte have a, a straight-up, you know, wrestling clinic for 15 Why minutes. Why can't we that's... have a bra and panties title? Oh, God. You know? <laughs> wouldn't that be great? That's a Brad Gilmore-type suggestion, Matt. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> um, here, let me, let, let, me, let me ask this. Um, let, let, let me ask this, Rich. Uh, it's three yeah. hours, very basic. It's three hours too long yep. for a TV show. Yes, you don't even have to finish asking yeah. the question. Yes. Yes, that's why, that's why, I, that's why I asked if the, if the Cruiserweight show was going to be the first hour. Because, again, when, when, when this whole thing was being discussed when, when I was there, just some of the rumblings that that I heard, that was one of the things that was, you know, just talked about maybe, I don't want to say talked about internally from like a, an official standpoint. I just want to say like it, it's people talking, you know, like we're talking right now. People say, well, you know, that, that might make sense to, to, to have that be the first hour. Um, because then essentially now, if you have one set of writers, and I don't know that this is how it would go, but if you have one set of writers whose job it is to write that one hour of TV. Well, now all you have to concentrate on for raw is a two hour show. So now you have, instead of trying to write storylines for three hours, you're writing for two hours. Again, that's not necessarily how they do things. They probably still would spread everybody too thin. And eventually what would happen, you know, here's, 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 here's my role, the dice on it. Eventually the cruiserweight hour becomes main event and main event started off with, Ballyhoo, and this is a, a big deal, and it's a D show now. It doesn't matter. Um, there's no thought put into it. It's just, oh, who do we have? How well, does that guys, happen? Okay. Like, like, what's the genesis of that, though? I agree with you. Uh, I, I think you, we've seen that a lot, where it's sort of like something begins with the best of intentions, <clears throat> and then it quickly gets relegated to um, a D show or it quickly gets put into this area where it's like, all right, well, you know, just go ahead and go out there and get your 10 minutes in or whatever. Um, how does that happen? You know, what do you think that the source of that is? There's just too much. There's too, there's, there's too much. I, I can, I can tell you from, from experience that after, after raw, everybody's worn out number one. And when you have the same writing team doing SmackDown the next day, I mean, that's, that's, that's a lot of, it's, it's, it's just taxing. And to, and to do that week in and week out, it, nobody's that creative. You know what I'm saying? It's, um, eventually you're going to have duds in there. You're going to have things are going to get stale. If you, if you look at the way territories used to be booked, generally speaking, you had somebody who would book for six months or whatever, and then he would kind of take a break and somebody else would come in and they, a lot of times they would take over, they would take over the writing of the TV show. It was to keep ideas fresh. Um, I know not every territory worked like that, but a lot of them did, even though you still had your figurehead or, 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 or your head guy, you know, your Vince McMahon or whoever that still had the final say. A lot of times things were changed up like that because it kept things fresh. Um, when you do three hours of raw and then get in the car and drive two or three hours and get into town at three in the morning or four in the morning. And those, uh, those writers are up They're They're writing they're I, I, They don't sleep. Um, it's just a very taxing 
mentally, very mentally taxing. Um, how do you keep up your, your creativity for 52 weeks a year doing that? Uh, it, it becomes difficult. And I think that's, that's what happens is so now, so you have raw, you have your three hour show. Now you have your two hour SmackDown that you have to do the next day and then kind of crammed in there. Well, now you have main event, which again, at one point was, it's an important show. Well, then it becomes, well, yeah, we don't really do stories on main event anymore. Who do we have? Oh, we have this guy. We have that guy. Okay. Yeah. Well, now let's pull him out of there and put him up. Oh, now we need somebody to job on SmackDown. So we're going to take this guy. And that's, that's what main event becomes or became. Um, it's, there's there's just too much. I, I think it, at the end of it, there's just not enough hours in the day to make everything mean to make everything meaningful. Yeah, you can't you can't have that the the attention to detail that as fans we we watch it and you see a two hour show and or a three hour show and you can look at it and you can say, well, here's this plot hole, here's that plot hole, here's that plot hole. If I was writing the show, I totally could have fixed that and I would have seen that or whatever. When you're in it and it's right, it's right up to your face, and you're that close to it, and you're trying to juggle six hours or five hours or whatever it is of TV every week, the attention to detail to those things becomes exponentially more difficult. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, and you bring up a point I don't think a lot of people think about, like the the schedule, because and 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 the responsibilities and 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 how that has increased since the way this show was 15 years ago. I mean, I was listening to Jericho's podcast when I was driving into the studio this morning, and he talked about how uh, they just did this this trip where he was he, he spent time, he was in five continents in three days. Five continents in three days. That is the schedule of a WWE superstar. And uh, members of the staff and writers and commentators and production guys, I mean, this schedule is is like nothing else uh, in in entertainment. I mean, this is uh, there's nothing else. Honestly, you can compare it to like I was thinking the circus, but I mean, even they have time off. I mean, there's no there's no break here uh, for the. No, guys. there's there, there there there's there's not. And I, I know I know for the writers, um, you know, you you you're 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 on the you fly out Sunday. If if it's just a regular week, obviously with a pay per view, you're you're flying out Saturday and you're getting into town. Um, but you know, a, 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 nor, a normal week is you do raw on, on, on Monday, obviously, then you have SmackDown on Tuesday, then Wednesday, the writers are heading back to, to Stanford and they're, you know, they're, they're coming up with a show They're They're in the office they're They're writing. And I believe it's Thursday. I believe Thursday is when, when they have their, their meeting with Vince, um, and Vince, Look, Vince runs the company. It's, he doesn't just do creative. He's doing a million other things. And it's not unheard of for these writers to sit there in the office waiting on Vince till 10, 11, midnight, 1 in the morning for him to show up for this meeting for creative. After you've been there all day, after you've been on the road for a couple of days, and now now you're back in, in the office and you've been there all day writing, and you're supposed to have a 7 o'clock meeting and Vince isn't able to get there till 11 o'clock at night. And then you're sitting there having a meeting till midnight or one or, 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 or two in the morning. And I, 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 how do you, how do you operate like, like, like that 52 weeks a year? That is very demanding. 
and Vince is a very demand, demanding guy. Um, and I'm not, I'm not trying to make it sound like, you know, well, Vince is the bad guy for, for, for showing up, you know, however many hours at, after, no, the meeting, I just, what, what, I, you know, he, yeah. he, 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 he runs the company. Yeah. I, I just so, think uh, what, what, what the point I think that, that you're, that, that I think you're illustrating here and and I think we're we're seeing this just based on everything that's going on right now. I just think WWE has taken on too many responsibilities. I think they have they I think WWE has gotten to a point where they have not said no to anything. If if USA Network says, "Hey, can you go to three hours?" Yes. Hey, can you do uh, uh, another two hours of live television uh, the night after? Do five hours of live television a week? They said, "Yeah." Like at some point, you have to say no, otherwise your product starts to suffer as a result. Yeah. Mo, final thoughts on this before we move on. Yeah, I, th- I think um, the WWE obviously has um, this issue with consistency that I've talked about with, uh, you know, the fact that they're having to write so much stuff that to produce five hours of consistent, high-quality programming, it's almost impossible. Um, it, it's just too big of an ask. I mean, even if you go back to the Attitude Era, um, you know, you, you'd see some excellent stuff on Raw, um, but there's also a lot of rubbish on there as well. People forget that. And, um, you know, at that time, it was two hours of Raw um, and then two hours of SmackDown from late 99 onwards. So, um, you know, and, and at that point, um, they had to start increasing more of the in-ring stuff um, because up until then, their total in-ring time um, on a typical Raw was about 15 minutes. And these days we get just one match lasting more than 15 minutes. Um, so it, it is difficult for them. Um, but, um, you know, they're in a position whereby, you know, they can't go to the USA Network and say we want to reduce three hours of Raw down to two because financially they can't afford it. Um, you know, that third hour brings in more money than um, their net profit last year. So if they try to get rid of that third hour, um, you know, they'd be heading for a loss. Uh, despite the massive amounts of revenue that they're generating. So um, they're in a difficult position and they're trying to make um, a best of a bad situation. Yeah, and and what I fear is that SmackDown, which I think has a lot of momentum right now, will ultimately suffer as a result of this because, uh, and I'm just speculating, but I feel like the mindset backstage is that SmackDown can never perform better uh, than the, 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 quote, flagship show, which is Monday Night Raw, which right now, quite frankly, um, in terms of excitement and enthusiasm, um, storylines, writing, um, and what is happening on screen, I feel like SmackDown is a much better product right now than Raw, especially when it comes to the fact that you have a show that's two hours, it's an hour shorter, and that means the segments mean more. And I, and I, and, and I think most people agree. Um, I think most people yeah. agree right now. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I mean, just very one final point for Rich as well. Um, the um, the guy who used to book NXT is it Ryan Ward? Uh, he he's the he's the head writer. Head writer he was the right. head writer, yeah. Okay, and he recently moved over to SmackDown, and I don't think there's any coincidence that since he moved to SmackDown, SmackDown has certainly improved significantly in terms of um, a, a product overall, and the fact that. Um, SmackDown has got Heath Slater over as one of the most popular guys on the roster in the last few weeks. Um, you know, just says how talented the guy is as a writer that, um, 
you know, numerous writers tried and failed to get Heath Slater even moderately over. And, uh, you know, everyone everyone now cares about Heath Slater, of all people. Um, so that really is, is credit to Ryan then. I um, mean, that's, that's something I never thought possible. And it, it, this isn't to take anything away from, from, from any of the writers and Ryan, Ryan's a talented, talented guy, but I, I think, um, at the, still at the, at the end of the day, it's not up to the writers necessarily. Um, and that, that, that's, that's not to take anything away from, from what Ryan's done. They're, they, they're able to pitch things. Um, I, again, it's been a while since I, since I've been there. So who knows, who knows what's, what's changed, but, um, and, and NXT was Triple H's thing. Um, the writer, the job, the job of the, the job of the writer certainly is to pitch things, but it's also to take the ideas that have been presented and kind of, kind of flush them out, if that makes sense. Um, and, 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 and kind of make sense of things. Um, you need that, you need that collaboration and you need a group of people who are able to, to, to work together in that type of an environment and in that type of, in, in that type of a, of, of a situation and certainly to have somebody who is a wrestling fan and who understands wrestling and who understands how to, how to book wrestling, you're going to have better results. I think that's what we've seen with, 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 with Ryan, uh, writing SmackDown, but at the end of the day, it's still not necessarily his, his decision, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Well, good points, um, on all that gentlemen, we're going to move on and talk about, you know, we've talked about three hours. We've talked about two hours. Why don't we talk about two minutes and 14 seconds? Because that's exactly how long CM Punk lasted in the Octagon Saturday night at UFC 203. Uh, Mo and I have been very vocal about our feelings regarding CM Punk. Mo has been especially vocal uh, regarding his feelings on CM Punk. So here it was. Uh, CM Punk, Mickey Gall. Uh, went one-on-one in the octagon. He came out to cult of personality, a nice mark-out moment for everybody. <laughs> and then the fight began, gentlemen, and Punk, double-leg takedown, pulled up in a ball, and literally got introduced to the real world. Mo Chatra, I will start with you. Your thoughts and impressions on what we saw this past weekend. Well, there are people that are not going to like this, but as far as I'm concerned... I'll like it. (laughs) (laughs) Punk was an embarrassment, and he's embarrassing to the wrestling business. And, uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, um, he can stay well away from the business that he claims to hate. You know, he spent two years pretty much training full-time to become a UFC fighter, and he was exposed in the worst way possible by... A uh, very talented guy, Mickey Gore, but a guy who was only in his third ever pro fight and a guy who arguably shouldn't have himself have been in the UFC. And for Mickey to dominate Punk so easily and just to destroy him in such a emphatic way really told you everything you need to know about Punk's um, you know, bucket list thing about wanting to become a UFC fighter. It was clear from day one, well, long before he even came into the UFC, that he was never a fighter. He was never a tough guy. Um, So it was ridiculous that he even thought he could make it in the sport. And the fact that Dana White suggested that his next fight, if he has one, should be outside of the UFC was just brilliant. I loved that. And, uh, you know, 
He's burnt his bridges with the WWE. You know, so many people in wrestling generally don't like the guy because he's an obnoxious, um, you know, self-important prick. And also, even within the world of mixed martial arts, there's very, very few people that like him because they think he um, uh, got into a lucky position of earning huge amounts of money for one fight, uh, a, a fight he really didn't deserve to have in, in the uh, premier uh, mixed martial arts organization. So for that alone, um, you know, he's definite, definitely the schmuck of the year and um, he wins that prize hands down. You know, there are a lot of people out there, Rich, who are saying that uh, CM Punk uh, set a goal and he went out there and, and, and he achieved it. He, he, to, for, for me, I, I don't think he achieved much. I have respect for anybody that's willing to stand across from another man uh, and, and throw hands. I have respect for that. But other than that, I mean, you know, this is like me saying my bucket list item was to go skydiving. I just didn't bring my parachute. <laughs> uh, what, what, what are your thoughts on, on, on CM Punk's UFC debut and possibly his last uh, fight in mixed martial arts ever? Oh, man. Um, we went, my wife and I went and watched the fight. Uh, I'm, I'm not a huge UFC fan it's kind of like boxing to me where i'll watch the big fights um is more of a curiosity thing uh but we 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 went and uh we we watched the fight and heard cult of personality and you know yeah it was kind of a i guess kind of a mark out moment it was exciting she was excited she doesn't even like ufc she doesn't even really like wrestling she's like oh this is cool um bucket item list for sure and that takes that takes guts. It takes that takes some balls to go out there and, and and train for two years, not being a fighter, to to get in to get in the ring or to get in the octagon and to go and do that. That that takes balls. I don't I don't care what anybody says. Um, obviously, UFC Dana White being, you know, it might as well be a disciple of Vince McMahon. He saw dollar signs with CM Punk, and if Punk has another fight in 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 UFC, which I think he will. Uh, they'd be stupid not to because people are going to watch it. People are going to buy that. People are going to go out and they're and, and, and they're, and they're going to watch it. So to at least not give him enough, you know, to at least not do one more fight, I think it's dumb from, from a, from a money perspective because people will watch it. They're going to want to see if he's able to be any better or if he's going to get the shit kicked out of him again. I, I the one thing I got to say about that is it, it you know, I, I got to disagree with you, man. I, I think that it, to give him another fight in the UFC is a safety concern. I think it would be dumb to do it. I mean, uh, I'll, I'll do respect to Mickey Gall and I've interviewed Mickey before and I, and I, and I, and I love Mickey. I, I think he's a, I think he's a great kid and I think he has, um, has a hell of a future in, in, in UFC, despite how he may have gotten there. He called a shot. He executed very well. Now he's called out Sage Northcutt. And who knows? Uh, Sage Northcutt, a native of Katy, Texas, by the way, perhaps um, Super Sage and um, Mickey Gall will be a future UFC fight. But that being said, um, CM Punk had no business being in there at all. Uh, well, C well C C CM Punk could, could have gotten seriously injured. I I'm actually surprised a fight like this was cleared in the first place. He's going up against a brown belt in jujitsu. Uh, CM Punk's a white belt with two okay, years of well, training. We don't know he, what he got. And he, and, and he, he here's, dropped 30 pounds in eight days. So he came into the fight emaciated. I don't even know if he had a nutritionist he was working with. I mean, this is this is professional fighting and you have to take it seriously. Otherwise, you could die in there. Well, I'm, I had no idea that he dropped 30 pounds in, in eight, eight days. days. He was walking that, around yeah, at 200 insane. pounds with eight days to go. Had to get to 170 for the weigh in. 
that's oh. that, <clears throat> that that's that's as that's absolutely insane. But my 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 question though to you is why wouldn't you do what they used to do with with Tyson, where you feed him a couple of schlubs for lack of a better term. Think, think back of think back to Peter McNeely, right? Yeah. Why 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 not just get say okay, Punk, we're gonna put you in there with whoever. Get a couple of fights out of it, make your make your coin, and then give them a real fight, because then you then you've made then you've made your money. It's people are gonna watch it, and then okay, so then you give them a real fight, and he probably loses. I mean that's uh, that's that's what Bellator's for. I mean to to be quite honest, because those are the type of fights they put on. I mean that's that is what if if, if you're a fight fan, if you follow the sport, you you have respect for UFC because they don't they normally don't do things. Like what they did um, on Saturday night, which was a, a flat-out publicity stunt. There are a lot of publicity stunts and work, sort of like that press conference that took place between Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz, which I feel like it was a total work for UFC 202. But regardless of that, the fight itself not only lived <laughs> up to expectations; it was arguably the fight of the year between those two. Um, this didn't live up to any sort of expectations at all. It was a mauling. Yeah. Um, it, it was it was uh, some guy being. Uh, beaten to, to to holy hell in an alleyway somewhere, and well, it's, and, and that's it, what it, I mean. It's it's a say. I think it's a personally. I think it's a safety concern. And here's one more point: the next time CM Punk fights, if he decides to fight, he'll be 38 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I remember as soon as that fight got underway and Gall Gall went for the double leg and he took him down into the uh, in, into the cage. Um, I remember looking at my wife and saying, "Uh oh, this this isn't going to go well." And there there were probably what two or three occasions where where Gall pretty much had him in 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 that in that rare naked choke or the triangle choke and couldn't quite get it locked in. I remember at one point he was down. It looked like he was trying to get it on there, and I and I looked over and I was like, "It's done, it's done." And then somehow we Punk wiggled out of it, and then Gall finally got him in, in into the choke and, and and made him tap out. Yeah, it was. Um, I don't think I don't think Yikes. CM Punk would beat Zack Saber Jr. in a shoot fight, Mo. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Possibly not. No. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, Rich, you make a good point about whether UFC should book him again. And um, in terms of the pay-per-view numbers, I think they've done something around four hundred fifty to five hundred thousand buys uh, for UFC two hundred three, and CM Punk almost certainly was the main reason for that number being so high. Um, without him, it probably would have done about 300 or so. And that's even with the World Heavyweight title uh, being the main event of that show. Um, but the way in which he lost, it was so um, definitive in that there was just no glimpse of hope. There was no ray of light for him. Um, he was soundly beaten. There would be no reason to see him go again uh, with anyone, unless it was, um, you know, almost like as, as as Matt mentioned, a Bellator type fight, a Pride Fighting Championship type fight, like uh, some freak show type fight, and that that'd be it. Other than that, there's no way that anybody would look to see him in a serious type of fight. And as Matt points out again, um, any responsible state athletic commission wouldn't sanction any fight with him. Um, with anyone other than a joke opponent. And it's funny and ironic that Mickey Gall's first opponent in the UFC earlier this year was actually not a proper fighter. He was um, a guy, Mike Jackson, who was actually an MMA reporter. Um, and they decided to book 
Mickey's first fight against that guy. If anything, it should have been CM Punk against Mike Jackson. Um, so Punk could have got a, a, a win or certainly a better chance of winning a, his opening debut fight. Well, let me, let me um, say so this. I mean, Mike, Mike, Mike Jackson's a Houston guy. Um, I, I know of Mike Jackson. And Punk would have lost that fight, too. I mean, I, I, I've called MMA. I've been around it enough um, to, 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 to know what I'm looking at. And CM Punk was in no way, shape, or form ready for that fight uh, because you have guys who are in the UFC. I mean, this is let – me, let me steal uh, – I'm going to paraphrase Booker T uh, from his reactions when we were all watching this fight on Saturday night. He said, this, was, this would be as if I had a good pickup game, so I decided to go play for the Houston Rockets. <laughs> like, it doesn't work like that. Like, the, no. the, the life doesn't yeah. work like that. So I tip my cat to Punk for getting in there um, because it shows incredible balls, but it also shows incredible stupidity. Um, I think the final point, question I'll ask to both of you guys, and then we're going to move on. Um, do you think CM Punk will be back in a wrestling ring uh, anytime in the next two years? Rich? Uh, it won't be in WWE. Okay. But yeah, probably in Japan. Mo, what do you think? Same as Rich. Um, he's got no future in MMA. Um, the sooner he gets out of it and quits whilst he's ahead. He's made his money. He's made his 500,000-plus pay-per-view bonus from UFC. Um, you know, that will keep him going for a while. Go and do something back in uh, pro wrestling. That's the only thing he's good at. And I agree with Rich. I don't see it being the WWE. The lawsuit with the doctor um, is still outstanding. You know, just the other week, he claimed that Vince is bankrolling that lawsuit as well. That certainly wouldn't have gone down well with WWE's hierarchy. So he can't be coming back anytime soon. He may do three, four, five years down the line, but when he comes back to wrestling, it won't be the WWE. Man, you are the sultan of Segway, Mo. Because we are going to segue from one lawsuit to another. Our final point on this show, we have to talk about the WWE concussion lawsuit, which is taking place right now. Over 50 former wrestlers have been suing WWE guys. I want to throw out a couple of the names that are on here. Sabu is one of them. As a plaintiff, Shane Douglas is another one. Chavo Guerrero Jr., also known as Kerwin White, by the way. Um, Earl Hepner. Uh, is on here, Jim Powers, Jimmy Superfly Snuka. I don't know if he'll be able to appear. Um, King Kong Bundy, uh, the list goes on and on. Marty Jannetty's on here, the Barbarian, the Berserker, uh, the Warlord, some some real great names from our yesteryear. Uh, Ken Patera is on here as well. Uh, guys, this is a real problem for WWE, and it's not just a problem from a concussion aspect, from from uh, CTE and traumatic brain injury, which WWE, or not WWE, but the NFL has had an issue with. There's even been a movie made about it starring Will Smith. It was a but good movie. It, did you watch it? I did, yeah. It was good? Yeah, it was good. Okay, I haven't seen it yet, but I'll have to check it out. Um, now, here's the issue. Another thing that's coming up in this lawsuit is the issue of independent contractors. And I was having a con I was having a conversation recently with somebody about this because of Paige, who decided that she was going to follow Alberto Del Rio out the door at WWE. And the rumor flying around is now she's suing WWE. And I said to this person, well, what rights does she have? Because she wasn't an employee. Anybody that's worked at WWE or has been close to somebody who has worked there knows that everyone there is treated like an independent contractor, which is incredible when you consider the demands that the company puts on their independent contractors slash employees and what's expected of them. Well, as it turns out, one of our uh, members of the show this week 
happened to work there. So, Rich, <laughs> let me ask you, what are your thoughts on all this, the independent contractor issue, what you went through with WWE, and, and what do you think the ultimate outcome from all this could be? Uh, it depends on how much people are willing to fight and how long they want to fight. Obviously, WWE's legal team is uh, amazing. Uh, Jerry McDevitt and the, and, and the whole legal team, um, they've been there for a long time. They, they, they know what they're doing, and they've got the finances to fight whatever they want to fight for as long as they want to fight it. Um, and the independent contractor status for them is a very important thing for them because it allows them to number one, they don't have to provide benefits for, for, for the wrestlers or for really anybody else that they deem to be an independent contractor, which uh, I, I was an independent contractor. Um, so I don't have the money to fight them. I'm, you know, I'm, 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 I'm not going to fight it. And anybody that potentially would want to fight it if they ever want to work there again. They're, they're not going to fight it because that's that's suicide. If 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 you want to go, uh, you know, it, it, whether it's a wrestler or announcer, I'm not even saying that that I that I want to go back there. I'm just making the point that if you want that option, you're not going to fight them. You're not going to say anything about it. Um, if you look at the IRS checklist of how to determine whether or not you're an employee or an independent contractor. By and large, the wrestlers and most of the people that, that work there uh, are employees based on what the IRS classifications are. I'm curious. Uh, what, do, do you know like offhand like what some of those what some of those qualifications or bullet points are for that? Uh, off the top of my head, one of them is um, you have to uh, I'm I'm, you got me on the spot now. Sorry. Um, I'm just, I'm, no, I'm just no, wondering no, just no, for my no, own hold curiosity. On, hold on. I'm just, I, I, I know I know something. It's going to take me a second to, to jog my memory. Um, you have to have uh, basic control over how you do the job. Um, so if you, have, if you have control over how you do the job, then you're an independent contractor. If you don't have control over how you do the job, then you're an employee. Um, if... So, 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 so let me ask you this question because this, this, this really has piqued my curiosity. So if you, if, if you are in a situation where you don't have control over your schedule and the right. IRS considers you an employee and you don't pay taxes on your earnings, who is responsible for that? Is it the, the employer who's claiming you're an independent contractor or is it you who, who, who is technically the independent contractor? If, if if the company that you work for classifies you as an independent contractor, you're responsible for your own taxes. Okay. Which is which is probably one of the reasons why you hear about wrestlers getting in you know all sorts all sorts of trouble with 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 the IRS. AKA um, Blair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's um, you know, there, there's there, there there's a I love he's it. not the he he's not the only one. I know, I know. I, he's just the first one I thought of for obvious reasons. Um, you know. It, there, there are certain things that are, are kind of you can kind of juggle them and say, well, as far as you know, WWE is concerned, maybe is there is is there a schedule? In some ways, there has to be a schedule. If you're doing, you, know, you can be an independent contractor, and they say, well, you have to show up at at this time. Well, that's what time they need you there for production, if that if that makes sense. But um, 
you know, I'm a, I'm actually trying to find here here I've actually found the list. Okay. I've actually found the list, and, and as we're talking about it, there's there's a 20 factor test that the IRS has out there: independent independent contractor or employee. And the basic question is, who has control over the work being done? Um, well, this is kind of a no brainer. It is an it, it is a no brainer. There's a couple of interesting things here. Uh, training training workers indicates that employers exercise control over the means by which results are accomplished. I believe here in Orlando, there's a facility where people are being trained. Never heard of it. And things in certain ways that, <laughs> no. So, uh, okay, full, full-time required. If, if workers must devote full-time to employer's business, uh, employers have control over workers' time. Independent contractors are free to work when and for whom they choose. So... Uh, those are just a, those are just a couple of things right there. So interesting. So so what you're saying is they're free to work for whomever they choose, but yet their contracts have a no compete clause in them. Uh, yeah, very very interesting. It is it it is interesting. Um, payment of business and or traveling expense. Employers paying workers expenses of this nature shows that. Employee employer relationships usually exist. That's kind of whatever because WWE doesn't pay for they they pay your flight in uh, and your flight out. Some guys may have uh, their hotels taken care of. Um, some guys may have their travel taken care of. But by and large, you're paying your own hotels. You're paying your own rental car. Um, I didn't have that. I I I lucked out as most of the announcers do, where the hotel and rental car were were taken care of. Uh, but I know for the wrestlers, they're paying their own. Uh, they basically get a, a, a plane ticket in, a plane ticket out, and then they're on their own the rest of the way. Yeah. Um, so, are, are, you know, are, are there legs in that lawsuit? I think that there probably are. Um, I, I, here's another example. Jesse Ventura years ago got basically blackballed uh, by, by WWE because he wanted to unionize in order for guys to get health insurance. And that was really all it was about. It was about being able to band together to buy health insurance because you're required to have health insurance. Uh, if, if you work for WWE, you're required to have it. Uh, obviously now well, you're with, also required to carry it if you live in the U S now as well. Well, I was, I was, I was going to say that obviously yeah. with, uh, with, with, with that law, but even going back before, uh, before the, you know, the, the, the healthcare reform, um, you were required to have healthcare if you worked for WWE, mm-hmm. but WWE didn't furnish it. Um, Again, you could argue, should they? I think they should. That's, yeah, that's that, oh. that's that that that's that's my opinion. Again, it, it it's a fight that uh, somebody's going to have to be willing to to really put themselves out there um, and put up the money uh, to, to yeah, fight. Yeah, you're it. right. Yeah, I mean, there was an attempt back in, all the way back in 2008 by uh, Raven, Chris, the late Chris Canyon, and Mike Sanders, um, and. Um, they they made all of these points. Unfortunately, um, they were unsuccessful because of a technicality. I think they um, submitted this uh, through as a lawsuit outside of a, a certain period of time. Um, so if they submitted it within um, the permitted period of time, um, they most likely would have been successful in making the argument that the whole independent contractor thing is a load of rubbish. It's it, it's a joke. It's a joke. It's, it I don't mean to yeah. cut you off, but it is. It, it, it's a joke. It is completely. It, it's completely absurd. I mean, if they were true independent contractors, 
they can go from working raw one night to working impact two nights later to working ROH TV uh, the following weekend. Uh, but we all know that's not the case. That's not how it works. Um, so the whole thing's absurd. And uh, as soon as somebody with some clout and um, some good legal representation takes this to court, um, they'll be successful because it's just such an easy win. I mean, it's so clearly absurd, the whole notion of the independent contractor um but the ww gets away with it and uh, they will continue to do, to do so until somebody can um reasonably challenge them um so that that's just one of the many things they get away with um the concussion lawsuit is another thing that um again they're trying to bat away with all types of um technicalities to try and argue that you know, these shouldn't be lawsuits in the first place. And, you know, they've even countersued the likes of um, the late Blackjack Mulligan who passed away earlier this year, and they were suing him as he was on his deathbed. And, you know, he's the grandfather, or he was the grandfather of two of the guys that are on, under contract in the WWE as um, quote-unquote independent contractors in Bray Wyatt and Bo Dallas. Um, and Mike Rotunda is a producer. Absolutely, absolutely. And, um, you know, for them to stoop so low as to do that to a dying man, um, it was really despicable in my eyes. And, you know, they're do doing the exact same thing to the likes of the Dynamite Kid who's wheelchair-bound and, and penniless. And, um, I mean, it's really unfortunate it's come to this. And uh, I think they need to approach this in a sensible way uh, because if some of this um, stuff about what they're doing to try and block these attempts to sue them for concussions um, comes out into the wider public domain, it will make the company look really, really bad. Well, I'm, I've uh, got to be honest. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised that they've been able to get away with it for as long as they have when it comes to the independent contractor uh, deal, first of all. And secondly, I mean, uh, the, I, you know, the concussion lawsuit thing I think was inevitable, especially after – uh, what 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 I believe was started with uh, the former NFL players, Rich. You were gonna you were going to say, well, it's, some of the concussion stuff is. So I think some of the people that that have that have brought that. I think Billy Jack Haynes w was involved in something. He didn't even work for WWF. Oh, for I agree. I think, so, I, you know, think I think so, so, some, it's ridiculous. some of it's yeah. Some some of some of it's clearly ridiculous. But but there are certain things that I, I think that do have legs uh, from from the concussion side, maybe. Um, I, I, I really believe that the independent contract, independent contractor stuff is probably even stronger than, uh, than some of the concussion stuff. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, um, you're absolutely right. I mean, with the concussion stuff as well, um, you know, a lot of it is, as you say, uh, brought uh, in terms of lawsuits by people that were working in the WWE, whether it's for a few months or several years, 20, 30, even 40 years ago. And, um, you know, times were very different then. And to try and sue uh, based on practices of that time um, is, is just not right, in my view, because um, in, in many cases, the whole um, area of, for example, uh, concussions and, you know, th those types of things, um, even amongst talents, were just things that were thought about as nothing more than just a bad headache. Mm -hmm. And obviously, we know that's not the case, but um, talents would 
intentionally just work the next night even after you know sustaining a concussion so you know it's not as if they can say that we were being forced to um, work against our wishes and wwe or wwf or wwf insisted that we we work with, with these types of injuries um so you know hindsight's a wonderful thing and you know you're right i mean there are people that are trying to exploit that to uh try and make some money well yeah as 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 it would be with with any sort of lawsuit or class action lawsuit, if you will. I mean, you see that happen quite often. Um, but, you know, to put a bow on all this, I do think there are there's definitely legs for the independent contractor thing. I think it's something that needs to be cleared up. Um, it, and, uh, you know, I, I, I truly believe that if you are being asked to do X, Y, and Z, and you have a schedule and you are expected to be at a certain place at a certain time, or as Chris Jericho said, five continents in three days, that is not something that an independent contractor does. That is something that an employee does, and they should mm -hmm. be treated as such. So um, with that being said, a fantastic discussion on all these topics this week, gentlemen. Before we get out of here, the moment has come for our shameless plugs, and we will start with you, Mo. Um, you have been teasing uh, the news of, of some writing in recent weeks. Do you have any updates on that? And when's the book coming out? <laughs> uh, the, the book is still uh, progressing. I'm working my way through it. And, uh, you know, sometime, you know, later this century, uh, you'll probably hear something about that. <laughs> but in terms of um, writing, um, I am close to announcing something so i'm hoping that possibly as early as next week I'll, I'll let you know exactly where my next destination will be um after my three-year um hiatus from writing about the pro wrestling business nice well we're looking forward to hearing about it and uh, rich i want to thank you again for for coming on the show you are welcome back anytime uh, you want to chat pro wrestling or anything else for that matter my friend uh it's great to hear that you are you are moving in a new and exciting direction. And uh, I want you once again to tell all the listeners about it. Anything else you'd like to plug that you have going on right now? Well, I appreciate it. Um, my website's rbvotv.com. You can check some stuff out there. Uh, as far as the some of the play-by-play -play stuff that I'm doing, you can check out Grid. It's the npgl.com. It's the National Pro Grid League. Third season, Grid's the sport. The NPGL is the league. It's co-ed teams racing in a... Uh, they don't like to say a CrossFit uh, type of a competition, but for, for the general public, some of the movements are what they would consider to be CrossFit-style movements. But uh, as far as the sport itself, it's very different than CrossFit. It's a team race. Uh, it's very, very cool. It combines body weight elements. It, com it combines weightlifting elements. Uh, very fast-paced, very, very viewer-friendly and very, very exciting in, in, in a team format. It's on all the Comcast regional sports networks, Root Sports Networks, and then uh, also uh, DirecTV. You can check it out on BN Sports as well as One World Sports. Those are channels 620 and 623. Awesome, man. Well, congratulations again on, uh, on the next step, and we're looking forward to seeing what you're doing next. Uh, thanks to everybody for listening. Uh, sorry we weren't able to get to the other social media questions this week, but um, we had a lot to cover Keep them coming. Tweet at PW underscore index on Twitter, and we will cover your questions and comments. We are desperately trying to get back to a weekly format. I saw some of the messages this week. Trust me, I feel you. Uh, I've got to do a better job, and we are going to do a better job of being on every single week. That being said, 
If you want to find out more about what I'm doing day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month, go to mattsapolsky.com. You can tweet at me all the time at mattsapolsky on Twitter. I'll be happy to respond. And um, as I stated earlier in the podcast, uh, opinionpodcast.com. It's my sports, pop culture, and pro wrestling podcast I do five days a week. It's every single day, me and Brad Gilmore at opinionpodcast.com. A fantastic two-part interview is available right now with the Bruce Pritchard. He shares over 40 years of his knowledge in this business about the current dilemmas in WWE and his thoughts on a plethora of other subjects uh, outside of wrestling as well. I think you'll love it. And I want to give out one more shout-out real quick to a good friend of mine, Telly, from Title Match Wrestling. He was on the show a few weeks ago. Telly has a YouTube page which with the best wrestling co- uh, content I think you'll ever see, check it out. It's on YouTube. Just Google or, or search in YouTube title match wrestling. Uh, it's updated Monday, Wednesdays, and, and uh, Sundays, excuse me, every single week. It's fantastic. So with that being said, we will see you back here next week for another edition of the Pro Wrestling Index right here on the Anfield Index Podcast Network. Thanks to Mo, and thanks to Rich for joining us. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.